Welcome to Behind the Screen, a bonus interview series from Forward Movement, featuring author conversations with our managing editor, Rochelle Thompson. Hi, welcome to this episode of Behind the Screen. Today we have Ellis Loy from uh, New York City, who is our writer for Forward Day by Day and the J- January issue. Welcome, Ellis. It's good to see you. Thank you. Good to see you too. So tell us a little bit about yourself as we're getting ready to read your meditations for the month. I am a Episcopal youth minister. Um, I work at Christchurch Bronxville, um, just outside of New York City. Mm-hmm. I am a uh, former evangelical, former Baptist, um, like many um, Episcopalians are nowadays, I think, especially in my generation. But I found my way to the Episcopal Church in college, um, and I really loved writing this month's um, meditations. I felt like it really allowed me to kind of connect these um, parts of my history and part of my faith. So it's been really fun to share and share those experiences with people. Well, they were so fun to read. In fact, I I would say that as an editor who has been doing this for 11, 12 years, um, they blew me away. First drafts, I was like, wow, this woman has so much to say, and I just want to sit at her feet and hear all of the things she has to say. So I'm really excited for folks to uh, read and reflect and spend this time with you in January. Thank you, Rochelle. (laughs) One of the things that you talk about in in your biography, you talk about, um, you say that you're a a 1.5 generation. So what does that mean? Yeah, so in um, the Asian American community, um, it refers to people who immigrated um, to another country as a young child. Um, So we're kind of caught in between um, being a first generation immigrant, people who immigrated ourselves, and a second generation person who in um, this uh, mode of counting would be the person, a child who is born in the country. Um, So as someone who grew up in a working class context as well, I was, I found myself doing a lot of kind of translation work for my parents as a very small child all the way through um, my young adulthood. Right. So you immigrated, where did you immigrate from? Tell me a little bit about your story there. I was born in Hong Kong, um, but it was still a British colony. And so um, my family moved when I was quite young um, to the U.S. I grew up in Florida, actually. Um, And I spent a lot of my early childhood, um, we moved back for my preschooling. um, And also we would uh, frequently, quote unquote, visit my family. And so I do have a younger sister. So she, um, for her, it always felt like visiting. And for me, it felt a lot more like going home every time. Mm -hmm. Now, are you fully bilingual or do you do a lot of translation work at this point? Or are you? I am bilingual. So Cantonese is my first language, but um, I think like other, a lot of um, folks who immigrated at that age, I definitely need to improve my um, written and spoken Cantonese and Mandarin significantly. So that's, uh, that's on my to-do list. Right, right. And when's the last time you were back to visit? Oh, after I graduated uh, college, my father and I went back um, and he showed me his old neighborhood um, and it was really nice to reconnect with my dad's side of the family and find out things from my um, dad's young adult life that I didn't know about. That he can finally tell you about. That <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you're old enough so that all those things that they were like, well, we'll tell you later. So um, good, good. Well, So tell me about your work there as a youth minister and about your congregation and some of the things that um, that you all are doing. 
I've been uh, the lay youth minister here for now. Um, this is I've, I've just begun my fifth year here. Um, I really love um, the youth group that I help to lead. Um, I our, our kids are from um, Lower Westchester County and the Bronx, and so a lot of my work has been um, holding together a lot of tensions and a lot of um, like nuance and perspectives and experiences that people may have. Um, and my teenagers are often the first ones to name when we're discussing things like injustices or um, inequality. They're the first ones to name those things within their own communities and that they see among their peers. And so trying to, um, yeah, hold all those things in tension because and like give value to what their various experiences are has been a lot of that experience, a lot of my work. And um, my uh, youth actually come from a lot of various um, church backgrounds and different churches in the area. Um, and so um yeah, it's been just really fun to explore all the weird religious um, faith questions that we have um, with folks who then maybe grew up in the church or are totally unchurched or, you know, go to the Catholic church down the street. Yeah, that's great. Well, one of the things that you talk about in uh, some of your meditations or some of the pilgrimages and the work that you do with the youth, ministry, youth group and youth ministry Tell me about the pilgrimage that you all take to France every year. Yes. So I I knew of um, this idea of the Christian life being um, this life of pilgrimage, that we are these kind of sojourners in this world and our true home being um, the life the next life, but um, to really practice that with um, my youth group and with my congregation on a yearly basis has been such a gift and has taught me a lot more about like how to live this Christian life of pilgrimage. And so my parish has been um, sending our teenagers to the monastery um, in the village of Taizé in France every year for maybe 20 or so years. Um, and so th for those who don't know, um, this monastery was founded in the context of World War II um, as a place of um, service and love, um, especially harboring uh, Jewish and Christian refugees during World War II. And since then, uh, youth and young adults every year uh, make this pilgrimage um, in pursuit of um, this Christian life and community. And, and it's just always such like a, uh, such a life exchange, life changing moment every year because you're able to connect with Christians all across the world. Um, and probably one of the most valued parts is, um, of that experience for me is this, um, this reckoning with the place of silence and peace in our lives and how to actually practice it. And I always come back much more refreshed and, and right. unburdened, I think. Right. And no cell phones and no devices. And you really kind of turn that off and, <laughs> and let yourself be open to what God is saying to you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I guess that that's a time that few of us get or, or few of us make time for. So that's really a special gift that you and your youth group get to have each year. One of the other things you talk about in your meditation is the time that you spent with the community of St. Mary in Tennessee. Tell us a little bit about that. I was their organic prayer program intern. Um, so the sisters, as the order has been, it the order is actually um, the oldest uh, indigenous religious community in the Episcopal Church um, that is still existing. And so as this, this order has aged and, and evolved, um, they've shifted a bit of their focus to caring for the earth, caring for their older sisters. And so part of that was inviting young people, um, usually college students or recent college grads, in um, living this mission with them. And so a lot of my work was um, fell predominantly into two categories, um, both 
participating and learning about organic gardening, as well as um, helping out in chapel services. Mm -hmm. it, it was, I guess, like the Monastère Taizé, it was a, a context where you can't help but um, pray together and set out silence and pursue peace together. Um, and that, for me, it's always been easier when I, quote unquote, have to do something versus when I'm left to my own devices and have to set my own alarm for 10 minutes of silence every day. Right. I definitely learned a lot from that experience that it's um, helped me to discern what came next after that internship and for my life. As you're writing, uh, when you got the invitation to write, kind of how did you prepare to write these meditations? And did you have a particular process or uh, take us through that journey with you? Yes. So um, funnily enough, it was uh, with the Sisters of St. Mary that I learned to really practice and to love the daily office. Uh, part of what we were invited to do as young interns also was to um, practice um, Lectio Divina. And so for me, that was such a challenge because I... Given some of my like ac more academic background, I always wanted to, you know, follow up on a citation and find out what other people were saying about it. But it was um, during that year that I learned, um, really started to learn to um, just pause at one or two phrases or one verse or maybe even one word um, in scripture. And so that's really, I found that that's kind of what I felt not fell back on. Maybe that's what I returned to when I was writing um, these meditations for the month, that I opened up each of the scriptures and, and um, looked through them and um, just tried to listen to what the Holy Spirit was trying to tell me and what was a, um, a word um, that might be edifying um, for me and hopefully for um, those who might read the meditations. Um, it's always, it's also always even more challenging to write shorter pieces of works. And so um, I did kind of, I found myself kind of um, developing um, a uh, style um, or a form as I was moving through them that um, usually starting with maybe a personal anecdote or something about a saint of the, that day um, before applying it more broadly to whatever the scripture was speaking to all of us. Yeah, I've said to many writers that writing short, writing this in this very constrained space of 220 words, but trying to say something that is really going to be meaningful and authentic and shares experience and goes deep. It's good that we are faithful people because God has to help us with this <laughs> because it's not an easy task. So um, what did you, did you find anything surprising or were there some moments where you're like, ah, oh, now I get this get this or I understand this better. I think I was surprised by how um, vulnerable um, one is when when one writes. I shouldn't even be detached about it as I'm speaking right now. I, I, I found myself surprised by how vulnerable I was being in my writing um, in sharing these um, spiritual and religious experiences that I've had um, and why you know certain verses might speak out to me or or this moment in my life meant something to me and and choosing to choose um, share that with people um, was something to that I was living into and tapping into repeatedly as I was um, writing this. Well, I think that perhaps that's among the reasons that they resonated so much with me. And, and I believe that they'll resonate so much with readers is because that willingness to be open um, and to kind of uh, say, I don't have all the answers, but I'm, I'm, I'm journeying with you and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm met, you know, muddling through this life and, and doing it with 
with God and don't always get it right, but we're trying. And I think that that's a, um, that humility and vulnerability is really a wonderful gift that you're offering readers for this next month. So thank you for doing that. Is there anything else that you would want to share or that you hope readers will take away from their experience? I think I hope that uh, with each meditation, especially with the um, the question um, that is um, left at the end of each um, meditation, that um, that we're we're all more able to um, really listen in that silence for what God um, has in store for each of us, um, which sometimes is a little thing, but sometimes are also huge things. Um, and um, knowing that God is with us and is trying trying to meet us wherever we are, I think is um, what I kind of want to start the new year in the spirit of. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Ellis, for your time and for your gift of writing and uh, for sharing your experiences and your, your ministry with us and with your youth group there and with all of our readers. I, I'm really grateful to you. Thank you, Rochelle. <laughs>